630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. McDavid centers one timer score. Oscar Clefbaum and Edmonton strikes again in overtime. This time it's Clefbaum. He takes the snap. He looks to the right side. He's throwing to the end zone. There it is. Touchdown, Eskimos. Duke Williams. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. I was serious about that with Jay Lynn. All blockbuster coupons will be honored tonight on Inside Sports. You have until 8 o'clock. I don't care what the expiry date is. We're going to honor those coupons. You got a clockbuster, you got a two for one, you got a free rental, you got a free Western rental. We're going to honor those coupons on Inside Sports tonight. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in. It is Friday. Into the weekend we go. Uh, A lot of the time you'd be driving to a video store right now to get a couple movies for the evening. Well, uh, you're not doing that, I guess, unless you live in Bend, Oregon. We have the doubleheader tomorrow on 6.30, Chet. 11.30 in the morning, we will sign on to the uh, face-off show from Rogers Place. Oilers and Flames will drop the puck at 1. We will do overtime open line until 4.30. Then we will throw it to David Morley, Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. 5 o'clock kickoff for the Eskimos and the Blue Bombers, and we'll have a full preview of that game as uh, we move along throughout the show. At 7 o'clock tonight, we're going to have a very special interview for you uh, after the 7 o'clock news. Karen and Danny Pelche will join me on the show. Uh, the parents of uh, young Braden Pelche, he's just six years of age, and uh, last Tuesday he suffered a stroke. And i got to be honest with you, I, I had no idea that someone that young could have a stroke. Braden, obviously a big fan of the Oilers, a big fan of Connor McDavid, David, but I'm going to tell you, this isn't really a sports story. It's a very human story, a very important story. I think Karen and Danny have an important message that they they want to get out as well, and they're going to let us know how Braden is doing. So I look forward to bringing you that as uh, we move along tonight. It is 6.08. Some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down south comfort food to Edmonton with southern classics and other tasty treats. You can salivate over the menu at northchickenyeg.com. If you'd like to reach out, you can do so by calling in 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. The email is insidesports at 630ched.com. The Oil Kings will host Swift Current at 7 o'clock tonight. Oil Kings off to a good start to the season. They are 3-0. CFL game is at 7. The 3-9 Argos take on the 10-2 Stampeders. Golden Bears football home to UBC. Golden Bears 0-4, UBC 1-3, 7 o'clock start there over at foot. As for the Oilers practicing today without Ty Ratty and without Chris Russell. Uh, both are banged up a little bit. Uh, neither will play tomorrow. Both are expected to make the trip and and uh, hopefully be ready for opening night. All right, Russell got uh, a knock at practice a couple of days ago, so I would think that's uh, the result of, of uh, uh, what, what has caused him not to uh, be able to practice today. And Ty Ratty, if you were able to see the game last night, a couple of crashes into the boards, uh, got checked into the boards, the one in overtime, he was able to get back in the play and tap the puck free for McDavid to get that overtime breakaway winner. So neither Ratty nor Russell practicing today, neither one playing tomorrow. So as McClellan said, they are going to travel. I, I, it's, I mean, from what he said there, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but 
you know, I wouldn't bank on them playing the exhibition game in Germany. Hopefully they are ready for next Saturday when the games count in the standings in Sweden. The Oilers will take on the New Jersey Devils. Raddy, part of that high-flying line with McDavid and Nugent Hopkins. So what happens with him out tomorrow? We'll have some options. We're still throwing that around. Today we had uh, uh, Tobias up there and uh, Pontus. Uh, you know, again, uh, our lineup tomorrow, if you think that's our opening night lineup, it, it probably won't be based on health and moving players around. I'd like to see what, uh, what Toby does with those two. Uh, with Connor and, and Nuge playing as off wing, so we made experiment with that. Uh, we'd like to get JJ and Cass back in into the lineup, so there'll be some guys moving around. All right, so from what it sounded like there, Tobias Reader will be on the right side with Nugent Hopkins and McDavid tomorrow. That would put uh, Lucic with Dreisaitl and Yamamoto. That would put Kara with Strom and Puglia Yarvi, and then maybe we see Chase on. Brodziak, uh, Cassian together again, Kajula and Aberg maybe scratches, or maybe Aberg gets a game tomorrow. I, I would think Aberg is bound for Bakersfield. Uh, I would think Chason is is going to get a contract out of this. He's on a PTO. And, uh, you know, on the back end, I actually think Jason Garrison is in good shape to get a contract too. And with the Russell injury, this could uh, open the door for uh, Ethan Bear to be around at the start of the season. So some things to keep an eye on there for sure. Uh, McClellan knows that uh, some... Now, they, they can travel with more than the roster to Europe. They, they, they're still playing an exhibition game there. We could take the whole camp right now and go to Germany. We can do that because we still have an exhibition game uh, to play. Players can play that exhibition game on a PTO is what I understand. Um, and uh, we've got two players that are banged up that we didn't uh, count on them being banged up. Uh, so now the roster grows by a couple. Um, we've sorted out the goaltender situation for now. We'll have a third one coming with us. So there may be one or two moves uh, potentially three at the most before we go but we've got to get through another game knock on wood somebody gets banged up uh we sure don't want two guys flying to bakersfield while we're taking off for germany so um things are going to happen quick tomorrow all right so and i would think what he means by that is that there, there could very well be some announcements right after the game Maybe the uh, PTO guys are, are announced as having contracts right after the game against Calgary. You know, they might send a player or two down, but, you know, I, I don't think they're going to go with uh, an overabundance of players to Germany, but we look forward to that tomorrow. Could be a flurry of activity for the Oilers roster-wise once they finish the game against the Flames. Almont Toya, and we're going to get into some goaltending discussion here because there uh, there is some interesting news today. Almont Toya, who's only played 20 minutes in the preseason, has been placed on waivers for the first time uh, or, or for the purpose of being assigned to Bakersfield. In Al's situation, he, uh, um, he's he got a family thing going on with a pregnancy and that type of stuff, so we felt that we could give him a couple days right now to, to see his family and get that organized and uh, get everything in order there. Well, and, and here's the thing. There was never a competition for the backup goaltending spot. This was Miko Koskinen's job. Uh, he got a one-year contract in the offseason worth $2.5 million. So pretty, uh, pretty nice deal for him. And Peter Shirelli did reveal today that uh, Miko Koskinen also, also has a no-movement clause. Now, Shirelli did say that there's discussion with the agent that Koskinen 
could uh, spend some time in Bakersfield. He would have to agree to that if he thought maybe his uh, game needed some work. Um, but but here's here, here's how I view this. First of all, surprising that uh, a backup goalie with what four NHL games before this season is going to get a no movement clause. All right, that's that's surprising. On top of the contract he got, absolutely. But as I've said several times, there there was never a competition. Uh, I mean, Ka- this was Koskinen's job, has been Koskinen's job. So it was never like Al Montoya was going to get to play four preseason games, and if he got three shutouts, he's, he's the backup goalie. He was never going to get that opportunity. I think the Oilers were saying, we gave Montoya the chance last year, and we don't think he was good enough, so we're going to go out and get a backup goalie from the KHL, which comes with a lot of risk. I mean, let's face it, it comes with a lot of risk. I had Sean Burke on uh, during an intermission last night, former NHL goaltender. He scouts with the Montreal Canadiens, and he's, you know, he said he saw Koskinen in a fair bit over the last two years. you got to be careful. KHL goaltending numbers are inflated. It's not a high-scoring league, so they get great save percentages, and they get great goals against averages, and those often don't translate to the National Hockey League. So the Oilers paid a lot for in my mind, not a proven commodity. And now the no-movement clause is in there as well. But I'll tell you how I look at this. I don't think there was really a thought to sending uh, Koskinen down at the beginning of the season. Uh, I mean, he hasn't had a great preseason. He was better last night. We'll talk more specifically about last night's game as we move along. But I don't really think they were ever thinking, well, Montoya is going to get the job out of camp and Koskinen will will go down. I, I think, if anything, this might tie the Oilers' hands uh, later on in the season. Now, we're going to go down what-if alley here, but what if the Oilers are having a really poor season? Maybe there's another team out there that needs goaltending help and Koskinen is doing okay or somebody needs the security. You you can't trade him because he has a no-movement clause. I mean, it's one thing that they can't send him down. Fair enough. I don't think the plan was ever to send him down. Uh, but you actually can't trade him if for some reason the Oilers wind up in a situation where they would want to or another team would be asking for him. I suppose he could waive the no-move clause, but he did get a no-move clause, so it may not be a factor, but curious that it's there. 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. You will hear a little bit from Miko Koskinen as we move along. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Arizona's at the end of a shift here, so Perlini gives it to Cousins, onto the ice, Ekman Larson, drag move, poked away, it's going to be a breakaway. I just looked, um, kind of knew that there was a lot of time. Um, took a peek to see if Brady was trying to come back, trying to jump in, but he was late in his shift, so um, yeah, I just tried to take my time and make the move. To win it in overtime! David. Yeah, he did a good job. Uh, you know, it wasn't my best move, um, no, but just just did enough uh, to, to get it in, I guess. Wrist shot, score! Jack Michaels with the call. Connor McDavid himself breaking it down. The extended breakaway from inside his old blue line. McDavid in overtime last night. He scored twice. Toby Reeder had a shorthanded goal. The Oilers won at 3-2. They are 5-1 in the preseason. Flames tomorrow. Cologne Sharks 
from Cologne, Germany on Wednesday morning. And yes, we are broadcasting the game on 6.30. Chad, we'll have breakfast with the Oilers before the game. Play-by-play will start at 8. Jack Michaels and Bob Stoffer going with the team tomorrow. I get to hang back here uh, in Edmonton. I think I, I think I have to host Oilers now next week, which means I should be getting a lot of texts from the Fizzler. So I look forward to that. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. I'm glad James texted in. He says, uh, Reed, does the move with Montoya mean the Oilers are only taking two goalies overseas? James, thanks for reminding me. i got to clarify that. The Oilers are taking Shane Sterrett as the emergency goaltender over to Europe. So there you go. They will be taking three guys. As for the uh, goaltending position as it stands, Cam Talbot, the starter, Miko Koskinen, the backup. He uh, made his Oilers debut in the preseason last Monday in Calgary. He was not good. Three goals on 19 shots. couple of stinkers in there. Played in Winnipeg. Oilers lost the game 5-3. He only faced 21 shots. There were some high-caliber scoring opportunities. Okay, fair enough. Maybe that one's a little harder to evaluate. Last night, uh, tough first goal against... Uh, but then he seemed to settle down a little bit, and Coach McClellan did say after the game that he thought he uh, might have got jostled a little bit on that first goal, which didn't help him. We'll see where it goes for Koskinen, who I uh, got to chat with a bit today. Mario Kempe centers deflected, and what a save made by Koskinen on Lawson Kraus point blank. I felt better than the first two games, so that's that's a good good sign. Is that just nerves or just getting used to the size of the rink and the pace of the game again? It's probably like a long break for the game. It's like five months also. And uh, of course, different different size rings, different players, teammates, everything. But there's no excuses. You have to play every night good. So Wheeler, right face off dog. Waiting. Shifley poised right between the hash marks. One-timer. Glove save. Koskinen on wow. Shifley. And that's the best stop he's made in the preseason. He was ready for it. Shifley blistered it on net. And Koskinen said no. Tell us a little bit about yourself. When you were a kid, were you always a goalie? Or did you play other positions? I think everyone started like on the field. You were in a cinnamon demon. You play like kind of every role. And then like... I think I was like nine or eight or ten, something around that, and then I end up between the pipes, and after that I haven't changed position. Yeah, I wanted to be a goalie. Like we play like um, street hockey, and there was like a couple other guys, and they they always put me in the net, but I felt that I was doing good there, so I just wanted to wanted to stay there. All right, a little bit there from Miko Koskinen, goaltender for your Edmonton Oilers. He is six foot seven. Uh, got to chat a little bit with him today. Uh, you know, his English is better than my finish, so uh, he hung in there with the uh, with the interview with me. He said uh, he does have one sibling. He said his uh, mom is uh, of above average height, so he thinks that's where uh, that's where that comes from. And his his mom is the uh, the better athlete in the family, or at least the uh, better athlete out of the two parents. So you know, I hope it works out for. Him. Um, you know, again, a better game last night. We'll see if he can keep it going. You can text 630-630. Charles says, Reed, once again, we see another example of Peter Shirelli's 
poor negotiating ability. Bad enough, he gave Koskinen $2.5 million, but also a new no-move clause. Why would that even come up? Do agents just ask for as much as they can get, and Shirelli keeps giving it to them? That is a text to 630-630 from Charles. Max has a bit of a different viewpoint. He says, Reed, wasting time talking about the backup goalie for crying out loud, it's the backup goalie. If Cam Talbot has a good season, it doesn't matter if the backup goalie is Miko Koskinen, Laurent Brassois, or Andre Rasico. Talbot will play over 60 games and get the Oilers tons of points in those games. That is a text from Max. Well, the thing is they don't want Talbot to play. Well, they don't want him to play 73 like he did in the playoff season. Uh, they, they probably want him to play more about 55. And the way McClellan put it earlier in training camp, that you can't you can't just be feeling like you're going to be throwing away the points when the backup goalie is in. You, you got to feel like he's going to give you as, as good, almost as good a shot as the starter as getting a point or two out of that game. Um, you know, again, I don't know how he's going to do. The KHL numbers are are clearly inflated, but you know, there there aren't a lot of good backups out there. I mean, how many teams actually have a really good backup? Maybe ten. So it also is a position that's hard to populate, if you want to put it that way. We're coming up to the 6.30 news. The Oil Kings face off at 7 against Swift Current at Rogers Place. Then they play at Calgary tomorrow. We'll update you on tonight's game once it gets going. Jason Fram is going to join us, the reigning U Sports Defenseman of the Year. The Golden Bears open their season tomorrow against the Saskatchewan Huskies, 7 o'clock at Claire Drake Arena. They're going to be raising the banner for last year's national title. And when we get back, Morley Scott, play-by-play voice for your Edmonton Eskimos. Can the green and gold bounce back against the Bombers? Home has been kind to the Eskimos. Hopefully that continues tomorrow. All ahead, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. news and expert opinion inside sports with reed wilkins on 6 30 chad dressler the first one and we're in another delay we're another delay here another delay and the teams are heading to the dressing room once again. So we <laughs> Here we go. Get, we didn't even get the first half finished. No. White's been the hero before on this field. Kicking in the same direction as that 55-yarder a couple of years ago. Ball is up. And it's through. Sean White has given the Eskimos the lead. 33-30. There's eight seconds left in the football game. I could tell you that was back on June 14th when the Edmonton Eskimos won 33-30 in Winnipeg in the CFL season opener, but that wouldn't be entirely true. The game started on June 14th. It ended on June 15th. Took almost six hours to play because of those lightning delays. I'm going to make perhaps the safest prediction I've ever made. Tomorrow's game will not last that long as we bring on the play-by-play voice of the Eskimos, Morley Scott. Hey, Morley. Bold. That's very bold. Well, I'm usually wrong, so i got to throw the odd safe one out there every once in a while that should be correct. 
Yeah, I think I think you're safe in that. We will not have a six-hour game. Although Al Bradbury is refereeing, so it might oh, be close to four oh, hours. Morally, but it won't be there six. you go. <laughs> <laughs> now, why why do people say that? Is that is, is has it actually been timed that his games take longer? I have never seen the official stats on it, but uh, that is the general belief around the league that if Al Bradbury's ref in your game, it's going to be three hours or more. If anybody else is refereeing your game, it's going to be about 250. Now, is that because he and his crew call more penalties or they take more time to sort out the calls? I think they take more time. I think they take more time. So I I, I don't know. It might might be just a myth, but it just seems to me when Al Bradbury's got the whistle we're uh, sitting in the stadium a little bit longer than we need to be and if the weather's not warm that's not going to be fun right right well I'll, I'll say this and, and I know I, I actually like a lot a lot of the things Randy Ambrosi has done I like the one challenge I know he wants to speed up the games um, you know the refs now can communicate with the wireless headsets so that if the back judge calls a penalty he doesn't have to jog 40 yards to the ref to tell him if it was offensive or defensive pass interference I'm just curious as to sometimes and now me now again you see every game in person that you, that the Eskimos play I only see the home games but it seems to me morally if if my team is is uh, second and 10 on my own 30 right? Yeah. And I throw an incomplete pass and I had a guy offside and you're the coach of the other team, you're going to decline that. Like, do they need to check with the ref when it, or check with the other, the other, the other coach when sometimes well, it's obvious? Y- yeah. You think, or, or they could just have a signal system or something, right? Uh, they, I mean, they signal in plays all the time. Why can't they just signal in if they're going to decline the penalty or not? You would think it would be a lot easier than that long trot over to the coach, and especially in the Eastern games where the benches are on both sides. That's that if you know if your bench is at the other end where the play happened. That's a long that's a long run for the referee to get to and then get back into position. So especially and a lot of coaches won't come out and meet them halfway. That's for sure. So right. uh, it, yeah, it, it does slow it down for sure. Uh, maybe a, some kind of system where they could just you know. You know, just give me a thumbs up or a thumb down right. or something. I don't know. Yeah, could well, it be that's... that easy? Could it be that easy? Do you think? Well, that's just me being being uh, being picky too. But they they have taken some steps to speed up games, uh, and a lot of them have worked. So that's good. Okay, Eskimos and Bombers tomorrow, four thirty for the countdown to kick off. Right after we end the hockey coverage, the games at five uh, against the Bombers. Any anything different going on for the Eskimos roster wise? Well, the big uh, the big change uh, roster wise, I guess, uh, as far as the Eskimos are concerned, is to have Neil King back at safety. He's missed the last six games due to injury, and uh, he will return to his spot as starting safety tomorrow. Uh, that's one change on defense. The other change on defense is uh, is uh, due to an injury. Uh, Jake Ceresna will move into the starters role at defense tackle because Mike Moore. Uh, was injured in the game in uh, Ottawa last week, and he will not play in the football game uh, tomorrow. So that's the two changes on defense. Uh, there was a couple other changes, uh, special teams-wise. Uh, our one uh, and Nick Usher and, and uh, Mark Mackey get into the lineup as well. So basically, all the additions are on the defensive side of the football uh, for the Eskimos in this game. And, and I think uh, we'll see more from uh, more from uh, uh, Martise Jackson as, at the running back spot in the game. I just got a feeling that the Eskimos will do a lot more running in this game than they did in the game last week. And I think that'll be the biggest change on offense, personnel-wise. The offense stays pretty much the same. 
Well, yeah, single-digit carries for C.J. Gable last week, so hopefully they go to the ground a little bit more. Bomber's ground game is, is always good with Andrew Harris, but uh, I know he uh, didn't finish last week's game, and I think he missed the first day or two of practice this week for the Bombers. What's going on with uh, him and some of their health? Yeah, they, they say he's going to play. He was not at the stadium today. Uh, they, they did not send him as one of the players to come over and talk with the media today, but uh, they, they have him listed as their starter. He did practice the last couple of days of practice this week for the Bombers and said he was fine to go, so I don't think there'll be an issue with him starting. The issue is trying to stop him for the Eskimos, which, like a lot of other teams, has been a big problem. Bombers, uh, they, they kind of got banged up in that last game. Nick Dempsey got hurt. Adam Big Hill got hurt. Uh, and uh, their, uh, their uh, receiver, Darvin Adams, uh, missed practice as well this week a little bit. Uh, they all came back to practice at some point in the week, except for Dembski, who didn't practice, but he's still listed as the, one of the starting slot backs in the game for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So we'll see if that actually comes through or not. But, yeah, they're kind of banged up. Uh, they're going to have some guys who are who are hurting playing in their lineup, and, and everybody's hurting this time of the year, right, for the most part. So uh, they're going to have guys who are going to have to battle through things. You know, the, the Eskimos' offense has been entertaining to watch and, and frustrating to watch. Most of the entertainment has come at home. I mean, they finished drives. They've made more big plays on home field. You know, I know Darrell Walker hasn't been playing, but Duke still leads the, the league in receiving. Uh, Bryant Mitchell's uh, been a good replacement for Walker. Stafford makes some plays. Um, what about the Winnipeg secondary? I mean, can the Eskimos get after this one, or are they going to have to be a little more patient? Well, I think they're going to have to pick their spots for those deep shots more so than they have in in, uh, other games this year. Winnipeg's pretty good at shutting down the long ball. They've only given up 16 of those uh, 30-plus yard passes. That's second fewest in the Canadian Football League. I was talking to Mike Roddy today about that, and, and, you know, uh, we were doing our pregame interview, which you'll hear tomorrow on the pregame show, and at the end of it, he was talking about the fact that, you know, uh, we think we can go long on them. And then after we got done the interview, I said, that being said, they don't give up many. He goes... I seem to remember a 101-yard one that gave up this year. So uh, that, that was, of course, in week one uh, to Darrell Walker. So uh, they, they do believe they can go deep, but they also know that uh, they're going to have to pick their spots a little bit against this Bombers secondary. Bombers have a defense that's built to take the ball away from you. Uh, they put their offense in good field position. Uh, the Bombers' offense doesn't very often have a long field to work with because they have good special teams and they have a defense that steals the football. They've got 32 turnovers, which is the second most forced in the CFL this year. They put their offense in good field position. Sometimes the offense doesn't come through and they have to settle for field goals. Uh, Justin Medlock, 29 field goals this year, and uh, you compare that 22 for Sean White for a team like the Eskimos that puts the ball in the end zone an awful lot. So uh, you can see there's a difference there. But the offense the offense gets a short field or a shorter field to work with a lot of the time for the Blue Bombers, and that's where they have their success because they're not a team that generates uh, a lot of offense. They're, they're one of those teams that people say, you know, the perfect game for Matt Nichols is kind of 65 to 70% success rate uh, in, in his completion ratio, uh, probably about 260 yards and a touchdown. And that's pretty much the perfect Matt Nichols game, the game that, that kind of is his template. Uh, they'll get some good game, good runs on the ground, of course, from, from Andrew Harris, and their defense and special teams will put them in good field position. Morley Scott, Eskimos play-by-play voice, joining us on Inside Sports tonight. Morley, I just want to circle back to the Eskimos run game because last week C.J. Gable only had six carries, but he had 52 yards. That's an 8.7-yard average. Now, he did fumble. He has lost a fumble the last three games that he's played. 
Uh, and I know that the time of possession was, I think, 35-25 minutes in, in favor of Ottawa. Um, but I, I know Dave. I know you and Dave talked about it after the game, and there's sort of been a lot of feeling coming out of that Ottawa game that that they need to run the ball a little more. And you mentioned maybe even Martise Jackson uh, gets some more touches as a running back. Like, where do you think? You know how how do you would you describe the Eskimos' run game at this point in the season? And like, do they not? Is it not viewed as as reliable despite CJ's yards per carry average last week? What's going on? I think they need to get confidence in that run game because C.J. Gable uh, missed the game. Uh, then they had the, the week off, and they came back last week, and, and he only had the six carries, had an eight-yard average, but only had the six carries. And, and I just think that they just kind of got out of a rhythm with the run game. I think, to a certain extent, read the score last week dictated that they weren't going with the run game because they needed points, they needed chunks of yards, and they were throwing the football an awful lot, especially in the fourth quarter. So that's they went away from it. But uh, I, I really am, uh, I really believe they'll get back real strongly with the run game tomorrow because you have to keep the the Winnipeg defense honest. You have to you have to make sure they're guessing whether it's going to be a run or a pass play because that gets them off their game a little bit. Like I talked about how they want to steal the ball and get a lot of hats around guys with the ball and try and strip it. So if you can if you can keep them guessing whether you're running or passing, that's going to help in that department. But I think they'll get back more to the run game this week. I think what, what the Eskimos need is just that a real good game from C.J. Gable. Uh, maybe maybe 80 yards, maybe another 100-yard game. Just one of those games where everyone says, yeah, C.J.'s okay, we're okay in the run game, we're going to use it a lot more because I I don't know how much it's true anymore because it's become even more of a throwing league the CFL has in the last few years. But they always talk about how the run game becomes so much uh, more important this time of the year, especially if you get some bad weather. And I was just looking up some stats um, uh, because, of course, Keenan LaFrance now plays for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And that snowy Eastern final a couple of years back in Ottawa, he had uh, 25 carries, 25 carries for 157 yards and a touchdown in that game, and and he didn't even start the game. He came in a little bit uh, later in the first quarter. So you got to have the run game there when you need it. The only way you're going to have it when you need it is if you you keep it primed and keep it working throughout the – up to that point. So I really expect the Eskimos to run the ball certainly a lot more than they did in the game last week. So tight, second through fifth in the CFL West. What's interesting, Winnipeg is last in the division – of those four teams in the logjam, they have the best points differential at uh, at plus uh, at yeah. plus sixty six. Uh, it's been hard to figure out some of the action uh, in uh, the CFL West so far this year. Morley, thanks for checking in tonight. Always fun. Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium, Eskimos and Bombers. Have a great call, man. Thanks, Reed. Talk to you later. As Morley Scott checking in, so he'll sign on with Dave at four thirty tomorrow afternoon. Game at five. And as the Eskimos go down the stretch here, two of their remaining five games are home games against Winnipeg. Uh, they are third at seven and six. The Bombers are last at six and seven. Very tight. Saskatchewan with the inside edge on getting a home playoff game right now, sitting at eight and five. The Eskimos will be in Regina next Monday, Thanksgiving Monday, for a big showdown with the Green and White. Toronto and Calgary kicking off at the top of the hour. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Furnace Family, your 24-7 furnace repair and replacement specialists. Call 7804-FAMILY or go to FurnaceFamily.com. You can reach me at 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630, Oilers and Flames tomorrow on 630 Chet. We're back after the break. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet.
Did you see this uh, story here on globalnews.ca about Tim Hortons? Uh, no. So in India, there is a cafe and bake shop called Tim Hortons. H-O-T-T-E-N-S, using the same font as Tim Hortons. Oh. And apparently Tim Hortons is trying to uh, shut it down. And I didn't realize this. Apparently in the past, a company tried to sell coffee mix, uh, mix using the name Tim Mortons. Once again, using the same script that Tim Hortons uses. And uh, I guess somewhere in South Korea, there was a place called Tim House. Again, using the same font as uh, Tim Hortons and a little coffee cup along with the logo. Tim Hortons. In India. I wonder what their hockey cards look like. You know, I was talking to, earlier this preseason, Joseph Gambardella, who's now down with the Bakersfield contract. I don't know how we started talking about it. He lives in Staten Island. But for some reason he said, you know what? They, uh, Tim Hortons just opened. And he goes, I no longer go to Dunkin' Donuts. I go to Tim Hortons. Yeah, they expanded Canada's greatest the export. Canada's yep. great. Okay, Canada's... Three greatest exports. Celine Dion, Tim mm. Hortons, okay. and maple syrup. Sure. Those are the top three. I don't think that can be argued, can it? Uh, <laughs> maybe number one. <laughs> Celine Dion, is, really? Is she still performing in Vegas? Yeah, I believe that's so. Still on, that's ongoing? What, do you have a residency? I think so, yeah. How many years do you get to do that for, just until you you don't want to do it anymore? Well, as long, long can as we get a residency in Vegas? Has you, I guess. They kick you out one night and say you're done. That's it. I think that's going to be my next career move. I want to get a residency in Vegas. I don't know what show I would do. I would think of something. I don't know. Maybe I could open up a blockbuster. Maybe that could be... <laughs> there you go. That could be... Uh, uh, I would I would build a, a blockbuster, a uh, little a recreation of a blockbuster video store. Mm-hmm. And then people would come in. and it, So it would be like virtual reality, but you'd, it'd be reality. And it'd be some sort of game-related thing. I guess this isn't really a residency. I could I could do this in, in Edmonton. I'm gonna I'm gonna work on this idea. What was life like in the work. 1990s? Yeah, it'd be like a throw, but but we'd put some sort of a a game aspect to it, where you'd go on a little vent- adventure inside the Blockbuster store. Like I don't know, maybe you have to find, maybe you have to rewind ten tapes. Did Blockbuster like that? Did Blockbuster have a mascot or no? Yes, rewind. <laughs> that was his name. Okay. <laughs> Serious. What was Rewind? He was, uh, I think he looked like a videotape. I'm Googling it now. Rewind the Blockbuster uh, mascot. This better be on Google. I'm sure his, I'm sure his name was Rewind. It's not, it, now it's not coming up, so people are going to doubt me. Trust me, his name was Rewind. And he was like this, I think he looked like he was shaped like a, like a VHS tape. Are you trying to find it there? Yeah, I'm doing the same thing. I can't yeah, find it. Yeah, so anything. Blockbuster no. Video had a mascot. Now, not as good as Gritty. Not, not as good as Gritty, the Philadelphia Flyers mascot. But yes, Blockbuster Video had a mascot. So anyway, we'd build, we'd recreate a little Blockbuster store. People would, would pay to come in. I'd be there as like, you know, the dungeon master. And we'd come up on a, for a little, like, half an hour. So it would be, it'd be a combination of maybe an escape room and virtual reality and and Dungeons & Dragons gaming or something like that. There we go. There's my next project. Finally. 
Finally found purpose, everybody. I didn't find the mascot, but here's a fun fact for you about that last blockbuster in Bend, Oregon. Which we got to get on the show. We got to get somebody from there on the show. They just recently signed a deal and are now selling beer out of that blockbuster. They no, have see, their own beer. See, why couldn't we done that when I worked at... Where's my old district manager, Lon Teasdale, when I need him to answer my questions? They have the last <laughs> blockbuster beer available at the last blockbuster store. What? It's being brewed? What's, yeah. What is it, what's yeah, it called? It's by, it's by some brewery in it's, Bend, Oregon. It's a craft brewery making beer for the blockbuster. That they're selling at the blockbuster. That's amazing. Uh, wow, now that all of a sudden people are texting. <laughs> no one cared about that uh, El Montoya send down or the Koskinen contract. Uh, Celine just ended her residency in Vegas. That's a text six thirty six thirty. Okay. This texture says uh, rewind is uh, also a transformer. I think I did not know that. And uh, this texture says is the game on TV tomorrow? Thanks. The Oilers game is not on TV. You have to listen to it on Ched or go to the Oilers website and watch it. Uh, the Eskimos game is on TV. I don't know which game they were asking about. Want to get this in here. Mike Riley's contract expires in February, along with some other big-name quarterbacks in the CFL. Uh, An extension is not being worked on with Mike Riley. That's because the collective bargaining agreement in the CFL expires in the spring. So uh, no pending free agents are in a rush to sign new contracts, especially if they're big names. Riley was commenting on that. I mean, this is an interesting year uh, with the CBA expiring and, and things like that, and a lot of guys' contracts are ending at the same time, coinciding with the end of the CBA, which is not done on accident, okay. you know. Um, and so, it, you you don't really want to think about that kind of stuff because there's just so many different things going to happen between now and then, um, in terms of the players, in terms of the teams, in terms of the league, uh, all that kind of stuff. And that's really out of our hands as players. You know, I mean, we have our, our union that represents us, and they're working extremely hard to try to, you know, put us in the best position possible. But um, yeah, I mean, you just take it as I tell you guys with opponents. You know, you take it one week at a time, and and when it comes to that type of stuff, it'll all work itself out. You know, once the season's over and and we'll wait till then to really worry about it. In football, the contracts aren't guaranteed beyond you know what your your signing bonus is or whatever you have worked into your contract. But you know it's not like baseball or hockey or basketball where you sign a ten year deal and you're locked in for ten years. The team has to pay you no matter what. Right, right. Football doesn't work that way. You got to earn everything that you you get one one week at a time, one year at a time. So you know again, the, for players that kind of have contracts that are expiring, the best thing that they can do, I think most of them understand that is go out and play extremely well on the field. And the rest of it will take care of itself. So if the salary cap goes up, all these free agents are going to want bigger contracts. Right now, Riley makes about 10% of of the salary cap. So if that goes up by a million dollars, you know, then it's fair for him to want to negotiate another another $100,000 in his new contract. That's a story to watch here, more so in the CFL uh, offseason, but we're starting to talk about it now. When we get back, we will welcome Karen and Danny Pelche to the show. They've had a tough last week and a half their six-year-old son Braden recently had a stroke they'll tell us what happened and update his condition 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad